Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, America. This is Billy Jones, author of Everyday Folks Books and the creator of Everyday Folks Radio. Thank you for joining me this Sunday, October 16, 2016. We're in the heart of Halloween season, and it is a great time for great stories, scary stories. This is part two of BJ Speaks Paranormal Hour, and on this show, it is a follow-up to last week's conversation. Because of your outpour of love and support, From the previous session, we are so pleased to announce that today's session has been extended for an additional 30 minutes. For 90 minutes, you're going to have an opportunity to discuss with me and my esteemed guests on the wonderful topics and the wonderful opportunities of what it is to to be scared. What are scary stories? What is the fear? What does it mean? And where is it going? If at any time you'd like to speak to me during the live broadcast, you may do so at 347-539-5372. Again, that is 347-539-5372. You may inbox me with your questions, comments, or requests at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Before I start, I'd like to send a few shout-outs to a few individuals. First, I'd like to send a shout-out to... I'd like to send a shout out to our K-pop team. Our, my, our girls are doing such a great job with their show, Keeping Up With K-pop. If you haven't listened to us, do go in and take, take a peek at the show. The ladies are doing a phenomenal job. And as well, please congratulate and continue to support my dear friend and colleague, colleague Anike Madison, on her show, Journey Into Passion with Anike S. Her show appears here bi-weekly, every other Saturday at 3 p.m., right here on Everyday Folks Radio. Just yesterday, if you haven't had a chance to listen to her show, she interviewed Apostle Malone here on our show. You may want to catch that conversation by listening at Everyday Folks Radio, going to my author page at billypauljones.com, or going in and downloading any of our nearly 60 episodes can you believe it? 60 episodes of Everyday Folks Radio since January 2016 through our iTunes store in the podcast window. At this time, I want to introduce my dear friend, Jay Soul. Now, Jay Soul has been with me for a good two decades, and we have been together on so many adventures. This, set, this week's session is part two of our conversation on Paranormal Hour and looking at some of our favorite haunts our favorite American legends and tales. And he and I, we've been, we've had a conversation a couple of hours, uh, days ago where we explored the topics and had a follow-up conversation to last week's work. And I have to say, Jay, so I have questions here. Um, or per, per, um, one is pertaining to you in particular. They're really good questions. For people across the nation who want to know more about some of these scary stories and the places that we've been, especially own account and our beliefs in terms of whether this stuff is real or not. So first, I want to say welcome to the show. Thanks for your time. Hey, hey, thank you, man. I appreciate coming back to your show. Thank you. 
and we're going to have a lot of fun. Last week, we had so much fun, and we tried to cram in every question. Folks, we'll do our best to get your questions. I know that many of you are not calling at this, but you are emailing religiously through my in our inbox. So I will do our best, and I'll do my best to get those questions on air for you. Even if it's not a question, if it's a request or a comment, we like those too. So, Jay, so, question for you. Yeah. You and I talked yesterday, actually, about something that occurred in your house. And you've been in your home. You've been in Tampa for good – it's been over at least a decade, right? Oh, yes, uh, 10 years. Wow. I can't believe it's been 10 years. It just hit me. So you were there in 2006, actually. That's correct. Wow. Wow. And you've always lived in the same house? Yes, same – um, townhome apartment. Townhome is probably mm-hmm. maybe 12 or 13 years old now. Wow. And you said that you've had, in, there, in your not in the recent years, but in the past, you've had some unexplained circumstances occur. Would you like to share one of those? Uh, let's start off with one. I was telling mm-hmm. you that uh, my wife and daughter were out of town. They were back in Fort Lauderdale visiting with mm-hmm. Her mother mm-hmm. and my younger Savion, who was still young at the time, you know, still like to sleep in the bed. What occurred was maybe around three o'clock in the morning. Uh, I noticed the room got very, very cold, like fifty, sixty degrees, and I usually run mm-hmm. the air conditioning, you know, seventy-eight, seventy-nine, and. I have a in my bedroom. I have you can see the master bed. You can see the master bathroom. Then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I look and see a gentleman that was in kind of like a red pajama suit, looking at the mm-hmm. mirror. Then all of a sudden, I start I jumped up. And disappeared. Hmm. That was one incident. Mm-hmm. Uh, second incident, I remember going upstairs and right going right into my master bedroom. I had my daughter on my hip. I was getting. So Rachel was very small. Excited. She was very, yes. She was very small at the time, Rachel. I would say maybe she was no more than one. I was wow. going upstairs right at the at the front of the master bedroom door. There was mm-hmm. I swore I saw like a shadow figure of a person mm-hmm. right there, and I got into this very defensive mode, like who's in my house and ready like to type fight. And and the and the and the, and the person just disappeared <laughs> right in front of mm-hmm. me. Now, that was one. It was just one of those things. It kind of spooked me for a couple days. Then I think the third story I was sharing with you last night, the kids, was the most recent. The kids oh. were in bed. Wife was working. I'm on the MacBook. I'm doing whatever. And I looked towards my right, and there was kind of like a black mass, like kind of floating in the air, just from my peripheral 
that just went past. Wow. So I don't know what it is. Usually those things I don't give credence to because I kind of have this belief you give credence, then it gives it more power. Yes. That's just my my belief system, but it was just those three occurrences I've had. And it's in my, you, in my you don't. And it, my follow up question is: Have you had any? Have you done any history on your place in terms of its, its building, the the structure, or is it everything you've just seen? You just treated them as isolated events without any follow up. I think we're just isolated events. Uh, history. I know this used to be kind of like a like a wildlife land preservation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at one time. Hmm. Uh, where you, where you live to, right now? Yes. Hmm. And, but I really never really looked into the history history of the of the geographic location where I'm at. We Never really funny. had a need to. <laughs> but well, I knew you were somewhere recently. I was. And before I go there, I want to comment on what you just said. Sometimes when you go looking, be careful what you look for. You just might find it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's true. It's, it's, it's one of those occasions where we all have our belief systems and, and spirituality, our religi- religiosity. They all guide us to feel the way we do. But the funny thing about the, your stories is that you don't you're not you're not basing any of your feelings and your experiences in that. You you're just taking what it is. I don't think you shared yes. this information with your wife, right? I believe I shared the one of the one of the stories with her. I think it was the um the person that I saw in the master bedroom years ago. And mm-hmm. and I know it's odd. Occasionally, I have a light that's over the shower. It pops on and off oh. from time to time. Oh. <laughs> it may be some circuit well, issues, some wiring, but it does kind of you know give me the heebie-jeebies. Well, you mentioned that you know at three a.m. with your first story at three a.m. You remember the room getting exceedingly cold. Well, also the number three in terms of numerology and literature, it is quite popular. For being the witching hour, the number yes. three, the power of three, three, you know, if you look at it from a religious perspective, you know, three days after that, that Jesus rose from the grave, and it was this whole notion of three playing this number out. And then if you multiply three times two, one gets six, and if you get three sixes, hey, the number three still plays in and represents the sign of evil or a signage of other sorts. It was very interesting you mentioned that at 3 a.m. I thought I'd share that, share that with folks who are listening, that sometimes you start connecting the dots and all these things. There may be purpose, if not a design, to these happenings. And plus, um, the number three, I think they consider that the witching hour where most paranormal activity takes effect. Yeah. You know, and also, too, as a funny note, as an aside, it's also one of the most critical times of night where – uh, millennials are on online on social media at 11 and 3 a.m. Especially hmm, Instagram man. and Snapchat. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Keep that in mind in, in your parenting life. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to share, I want to share with folks who are listening what Jay So mentioned, asked, uh, alluded to a little a few minutes ago. This past Friday on October 14th, I had the pleasure of 
uh, of, of attending the Stranahan House, which is located in the heart of downtown Fort Lauderdale. And this house is, has great history because Frank Stranahan and his lovely wife, Ivy, they built this house, came to Miami, uh, excuse me, came to Fort Lauderdale with the intentions of starting a business down in, in the south in an area where even Henry Flagler himself did not even want to run a train through. He ran the train through it, but he said, there's nothing here in this little big area. Nobody's going to, there's no breaking of ground here. This, there's no possibility. And of course, the area was inhabited with many Seminole Indians as well. So that also furthered the desire not to want to break into swamp land. And so the house itself, it, it's very befitting for our conversation today because it, it itself is allegedly haunted. There are several deaths that have occurred there. The first, of course, is the late Frank Stranahan, the founder. He drowned himself. He committed suicide in his early 60s by tying a weight to his feet. He went through an extreme bout of depression, and he ended up throwing himself into the lake. And his wife, they, 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 they did find him. They, they would try to, re, to revive him, but he died. His wife, however, continued to remain at the house, and she lived in the house for over 20 years. Her family also passed away in the house as well. Her father did, as well as, if I can recall, a niece or an aunt also passed away, and their beloved cat, whose name was also Frank. And throughout the house, we, I, had the, the, I, was not only, I wasn't alone. I was there with some of my students from Writing Out Loud, which is a student organization at Broward College, I was there with the officers and some of the members, and they brought their friends as well. So you talk about a group of about 10 people, including the poor guys. And this house outside, it looks like something you'd see at a theme park. It's small. It would think that it's, it's, not, it's not very spacious. When you go in, it's over 2,000 square feet, and it's two stories. And it's built with cedar wood, old Florida pine, not cedar, but old Florida pine wood that is now obsolete and you can't find it anymore because everybody's put it in their homes in the early and the mid 20th century. This house is built in the bones of the house are very, very, very solid. And Miss, Miss Ivy, who lived in the house, she did get electricity in there. She did have a running bathroom. And at one time, she even had a restaurant running on the first floor while she rented out the second floor, which was um, a boarding house for her to help make money after her husband died. And she herself lived in the attic. And we couldn't go up in the attic because there's nothing but ducks up there from the AC because they modernized the house very well. But it kept its full features. The structure of the house, it's totally the original structure. And so the Stranahan House is one of those places in South Florida that I encourage many of you, if you're down here or you live in the area, to visit. I know in, in Jay Soling's town, you have a couple of places as well. I've had the, the pleasure, I mentioned this last week, of going to Bradenton or Bradenton. I never can say the name right. And I was there Bradenton, for Florida. Bradenton, yes. There was a ghost tour there, and there was one in Ebor City that I attended as well. And both yeah. of them have provided such insights on the city. There's such rich history in Tampa. And people don't realize it is a, a force to be reckoned. Pe many people are migrating there. Commerce is taking place there. And so are all, all the tales and urban legends. For those of you who are listening live to the show, you're listening live to Billy Jones, author of Everyday Folk. And I'm here with my dear friend, Jay Soul, on-air personality extraordinaire. If you'd like to speak to us during our live broadcast, you may do so at 347 539 
347-539-5372. Again, the number is 347-539-5372. And I know you're not shy, so I see your inbox messages here, folks. Thanks for your love and support. And the, the email address, nonetheless, is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. That is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Let's do this, Jay. So before we get into some of yes, the specifics sir. of the that I want to ask you, let's take a couple of questions. So some of the questions are thick here. So this first one is from Tex from St. Augustine, Florida. Thanks for listening, Tex. We appreciate it. Here goes, and I'm going to read it slowly so you can get everything, okay? People are so afraid of St. Augustine. I was born and raised here, and now I raise my own kids here. The place does have a lot of history, and it's haunted. Do you think all quiet towns are perceived as scary? And then why do people prefer the city versus the country living? Actually, Jane, why don't you take that second part? Because you've left the city. You're not in country, but you're in a lot more, you're in a, in a, in a somewhat, not completely, a, a quieter city than Miami. So why do people make that move? I think it's peace of mind. It's they don't like traffic. I think it's probably one in the main, probably top five reasons why people may leave from the city to the country or the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? What about for you? Why did you leave? I, I left, and I was I was a brand new father. I was gonna be of a new baby, my daughter. Um, I was just tired of, I didn't want my children raised in the Day County public school system. Uh, mm-hmm. The overabundance of classrooms in which I worked in the school system at one time as well. I was just not happy with Day County public schools. And I just wanted something different. I mean, it's Tampa. So do you feel you've received that difference? Do you feel you oh, have yes. that difference now, now that you're in Tampa? Yes, I have a major, you know, way different environment. Uh, I mean, I live in the suburbs, but it's just um, schools. My daughter's in a private school. My son is in his junior year in high school. So it's mm-hmm. just, I think the values more align with what I personally believe in. And I, I think it would just be a, a different way of life if I still remained in Miami with my kids. And do you think all small towns are perceived as scary? Uh, there there are some small towns in Florida mm-hmm. uh, that I believe are a little bit – I can understand why people may believe they're scary. I know one time when I first moved here and I went to this barber shop and mm-hmm. I made the wrong turn on this one main street called Lithia Pinecrest mm-hmm. and just not paying attention. thought I knew my bearings. I went down by five or six, seven miles. Then all of a sudden, the town looked the t- the small little town I did go through did look kind of scary. Man, I see like a diner closed down. I'm seeing trailer parks. I'm seeing 
uh, old abandoned stores, mm-hmm. like an Ace Hardware, um, Ace Hardware, that type of. And it just got kind of real creepy. It looked like something from Deliverance <laughs> <laughs> or the Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> it was just, it was just a little bit too <laughs> back to my day. So I found the fire station. And I asked the fire, fire department, "Hey, how did I get back to the main road?" And he just pointed me, you know, "Hey, you gotta go back in the other direction." Oh gosh, that is. And what time of day was this? This was maybe mid afternoon, um, late afternoon. And I can remember I my wife calling me. It's like, where, where are you? When are you going to come home? Does it take that long? I said, look, I'm lost. <laughs> I, w- I will share. I was in St. Petersburg. The last time I was there in, was in 2005, I think it was. I went with a colleague who, at the time, my dear colleague, who's another author, her colleague was in an assisted living facility. She now has since passed. But I told her, I'd drive. I had the, remember the Nissan Xterra that I used to own? And so we we took the scenic route. We started by going down the 41 in South Florida, which would take you through the the Everglades. And then we got on the, then we got on the I-75 over between Marco and Naples. And I have to tell you, on our way, we got there. By the time we arrived to Tampa, I mean, to St. Pete. It was kind of, it was night, and it was so creepy. We had to pass this cemetery. The hotel was not too far from it, and I remember everything was closing around 8 or 9. It was a Wednesday night, so everything closed like around 8 or 9 p.m. It was very early, of course, to a Miami standard, and we, we just felt so weird, and I remember going out to the ice machine because the, 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 the hotel, it had those out you know how those hotels that have the outer door corridor that are outside they're not indoors yeah so the ice machine was down the hall outside so when i walked down there it was just so creepy and i thought oh my goodness i be, being a city boy i could never live here and of course being a writer my vivid imagination just gets the better of me <laughs> now i got and a question so, for you go for it uh just did the Richmond Heights Cemetery freak you out as a kid? Yes. Oh wow, you just brought up a really good question, folks. What Jay Soul just asked is Richmond Heights, and we got to tell them what Richmond Heights is, Jay Soul. So I'll share this with them, and then I'll answer your question. Richmond Heights was a settlement founded by Frank C. Martin, who was a white um, businessman and owner. He created this settlement for black um, soldiers who had gone and fought in the war in the mid-20th century, and he wanted to provide them some quality housing. So Richmond Heights was established, and Frank C. Martin is one of the schools that actually still exists in that community. The community now has since become very multiracial, but it is still one of those areas where if someone's looking for decent property in Miami, it's a great place to consider if you're going to live down south. Now, having said that, there is a cemetery that is right off of 117th Avenue. And, yes, I have a friend who lives across, well, grew up across the street from that cemetery, and he reported seeing and hearing all kinds of things um, from across the street, even relatives who would come in and stay. They wouldn't want to stay at the house because they felt like, I mean, granted, the, the, the cemetery is way across the street. you got to cross 
at two two-way lanes on each side to get to it. But still, it's there. And he said there were lots of, of reports and things. It's funny. If you take 117, there are, there's another cemetery, remember? If you take 117 mm-hmm. north of that one, there's the, the Caballero Cemetery. There are a lot of cemeteries, now that I think about it, and large ones on that street. You're talking two to three cemeteries there. And so, yes, it, it, I recall very well growing up, there are all kind of tales that people used to create about that area and how people reported seeing the, a lonely lady floating or a cloud of a lady floating from or a spirit floating from the cemetery or a hitchhiker. If you're late at night on 117th Avenue, make sure you keep your windows up because the hitchhiker who you think was hitchhiking could suddenly appear in your back seat. All kinds of stuff. I've been up and down that road a hundred times and it's well lit. But I will say this, when I'm riding by cemeteries, my mother used to always tell me not to point fingers. So don't point a finger at the cemetery because your mother's not dead. <laughs> This old oh, wives' wow. tale. And then secondly, if I am going by a cemetery at night, sometimes, you know, if you're, if, if, let's say you and I were driving, you were driving me somewhere. I'm in the passenger seat, and I see the cemetery. And if it's at night, I dare not look to my right. <laughs> like, look in the cemetery. <laughs> because I, like, just my luck, I'll see something or something I shouldn't see or see a glimmer of light or hope. And even though, like you said, also, as I say this, I'm laughing. The more credence you give to this stuff, the more it begins to manifest itself. So I appreciate your mentioning that. A lot of ghost hunters will tell you that those who are looking for it, they have to almost provoke it to occur. Whereas if you allow it, if it manifests and then you tell it to go away, often it does just that. So it was a very good point. And, and Tex, I, think, I thank you so much for your question. So here's a second question for you, Jay Soul. Here's another. Nicole from Miami, Florida. Thank you for listening, Nicole. Here, right here on Everyday Folks. I'm going to read it slowly so you can get every part of it, all right? Recently, I watched the movie Blair Witch 2. Though I enjoyed the thrill, I still give it, give it mixed reviews. Why aren't scary movies as scary as they used to be? I want to be so scared so much that I can't sleep at night. But sadly, after a scary movie, I'm sleeping just fine. That's a funny one. Hmm. <laughs> what do you think? I'll start, and then, Jay, you can jump in. I think the reason why scary movies aren't as scary is because technology has become so sophisticated. There is, CGI. Think about this. Yeah. You, you know, it's, there is really isn't anything left to the imagination any longer. Blair Witch, when it first came out in 1999, there was a documentary. Remember the documentary, The Cameras? Okay, there have been yeah. so many spinoffs of that since. It was also one of the first scary movies that utilized the World Wide Web to promote. Because remember, the World Wide Web had become more accessible in homes and communities at that time. So it used a lot of its pr- promotions were through the web, a website with hardly any information, a tale that was created that helped people think further that this must be real, you know? So now we're in an era where digital rhetoric is so strong. There's nothing, there's so much that's not, that's, that's no longer left to the imagination. I can't think of anything else that hasn't been done. Do you agree? I think we probably hit pretty the spectrum. In what sense? Hmm. I think we've touched every phase of, of horror, uh, Vampires, 
wolves, zombies, um, aliens. Yeah, we had a lot of aliens in- encounters and out of body. I mean, think about it. And everybody's been impacted from old people. I shouldn't say old people, from elderly people, from children, women, men, black, white. <laughs> there's, there's, is there anything left? I'm hearing some background noise from you for some reason. I can't hear you. I'm sorry. I'm folding laundry. So as we're holding yeah, the conversation. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I can hear it. I can hear what you're doing. <laughs> so I was wondering, is there anything left? Hmm. Hmm. Politics. <laughs> well, you saw what that joking happened. side. No, but you, you remember remember purge. The purge kind of played on that. The second purge. That's correct. Kinda on, it kind of played on that notion of 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 fear a female president. How ironic, right? <laughs> hey, media ironic. predicts things. <laughs> Yeah, it does. But also, too, I, I feel that there isn't much more. The one thing we haven't touched well, we don't have enough psychological thrillers. We got a lot of gore, a lot of blood, a lot of murder, a lot of ghosts. But what about a psychological thriller where the worst enemy, and like the new movie that's coming out now, I have to say to folks, a movie that I do recommend to see, it's called Split. Have you seen that one, Jay? Hmm. No, I haven't seen it I don't know yet. You should watch the trailer. It's amazing. This man has 23 split personalities. Oh, and wow. And he kidnaps these girls, and at, while he's kidnapping them, these split personalities begin to take over. So they don't know who they're going to see at any given moment. And so it's called Split. And I think that's going to be one of those first films that truly, truly benefits or, or gives gives a new psychological thriller to our audience. I really believe that's the case. So, Jay, I got a question for you. Now, okay. as your kids mature, you have a son, and at some point they're going to venture on their own. And I'm sure as a growing up, because you and I, we grew up together in our young adulthood, and we were so fascinated with scary stories. Are your kids as into what – the scared them that like we are, are they turned in on to this? Like for instance, does he go to Halloween horror night or does he go to hollow scream or does he have his own interest in that regard? Because he's now nearing adulthood. And at some point those ideas or interests take form. I, uh, he's, uh, he's probably kill me for saying this. He's a scaredy cat. I don't oh. think he's really into that that type of scene probably as he gets older maybe now my daughter she, she will love to watch the walking dead oh she and does she's in yes she she's into like costumes and she's into that what's that show on sci-fi when they do all the costumes and the makeup uh, yeah yeah i forgot the name of it but i've seen it and it's impressive and she's into stuff like that. Um, zombies. We're just actually we we're picking up our Halloween costume last weekend, and she was mm-hmm. really into the mask, the the scary mask, going trying them on, and just playing around with her on it. But yeah, my son, he's not into it. Like I said, he 
he's a little bit of a scary cat. Rachel kind of embraces it because I think she likes the the art of 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 the makeup, the scariness of the mask. I think she's really into that. That's why she kind of likes those type of things more. It's interesting versus he does. And that's very interesting because it's, she actually has an affinity towards you and a lot of interest. Like even your musical interest, she does as well. Yes. And and that's very interesting. And in, in whereas your son has probably more, he has more inclinations towards your wife, perhaps. In terms yes, of her attitude, he definitely is. Yeah, he'll do it, but he also he probably has more inclinations towards her, her interest in that as it comes to pertains to this topic. I have to share this with you. At the Stranahan House, one of the, the, the ladies at the and, and when in a few minutes I'm gonna have my dear student, Joey Adriana, she's gonna come on the air, the president of writing out loud. And she's supposed to call it at three forty five. So we'll see what she says. Because she was with me on the tour and I wanna get her feedback on something, but I wanted to share something I forgot to tell you. Here's a story, folks, that I'd like you to be aware of. When we were at the Stranahan House and we were done with our tour, we ended the gift shop, and then we were sitting outside by the water, not too far from the spot where Frank Stranahan had jumped in and committed suicide. One of the other volunteers was out. She came out to sit at, at the bench, which is a beautiful. It was under this tree. The breeze is perfect, and she started talk, talking to us. So she started telling us all these scary stories at the house stories that we weren't getting during the tour because that wasn't the focus of the tour. So she tells us, Jay, that on the bed, she said, remember when we went upstairs, there was a bed. And on this bed, she said, sometimes when I go in, I have to straighten the bed out. She said, now, I'm not a, I'm not a believer. I'm a skeptic of all this stuff. But she says, I, one lady came in about, about a year ago. She came in during the tour. And she says, oh, I can see that this house has a cat that lives in it. And she says, we don't have a cat in here. Nothing living in the house after hours, you know, besides people who come in. And she said, well, why are those cat prints on the bed? And she says, often she has to clear the bed sheets. She has to straighten them out because it looks like a cat or the the imprint of a cat was on the bed. And she said that room also is the room where her... With Ivy's father, I think it's if that's how the story went. Ivy's father committed suicide, or not suicide. He died naturally. He didn't. The only person who committed suicide was was Frank, from the stories we heard. But everyone else died of natural causes, and that was in the room. That that room got a lot of activity. She said, "Thought it was interesting that a cat. Because normally we hear of other things and people, but very few of animals, like the spirits of animals." participating or manifesting in a space. Thought that was very interesting. Thought you'd like to hear that because I know you own a cat, don't you? Yes. Does your cat see stuff? <laughs> uh, this cat is a scary cat. She likes to be by herself. <laughs> oh, okay. So, Dawn, she has that one ask spot you. in the house. She likes uh, to sit in and she goes back to the garage. She's not an adventurous well, cat. You know, I was going to ask you to bring her on the air. Maybe she had a few things she wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> and, folks, if you have something you'd like to say to us, you can call us at 347-539-5372. Again, that is 347-539-5372. And if you have any questions, I see that you're not shy in your, your email request. Jay, I got a couple more questions I got to get to you. You may do so at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. 
So, Jay, here's another question for us. It's from Carlos from Fort Lauderdale. Thanks for listening, Carlos. He says the following. There is an insane asylum, as some people call it, near my house in Fort Lauderdale. Hmm. I don't know what's so scary about it, so I haven't been there. (laughs) Why are all abandoned buildings insane asylums? (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) I don't know. What do you think, Jay? That's funny. You know, they have a a show on, I forgot the network, where all they do is visit insane asylums. Like when he's ghost Destination hunting shows. Yep. Destination I was just watching America. the show. Destination America. Yeah, actually, Destination it's... in America. Yeah. Yeah. They they're it's weird because that show I was just watching an episode before our show and there was a conversation these people were actually sleeping in the bed of a place where a lady was murdered. And they put cameras and seismographs and all these other things around them to capture white noise. And they were playing back stuff that was really creepy. It was creeping me out. But I guess the question... Go ahead, I'm sorry. You know what's funny as well? They have phone apps for ghost hunting as well. Have you tried one? I haven't tried one. I'm not going to waste 99 cents. Well, I do have a colleague. I told you I had a colleague who put the app on her iPad, and she slept, and she caught all kinds of white noise. She played it. I was in her house. She played oh, these wow. sounds. Whose voice is that? And I know her husband. He was sleeping next to her, and that was not his voice. It was a what man's it voice. It says, it says um, hello, hello. I'm here. I'm here. And I also think that the, the thing with these, these documents, these devices, there are certain sounds that only the human ear can hear versus sounds that only animals can hear. So I'm always wondering if yeah, sure. of these things that people think are ghosts are just natural. There's always a scientific explanation for things, for most things. But I always wonder, though, if there are certain frequencies of sound that we can or cannot hear, are there really things that are all about us, but we just can't hear them because they're not at our frequency level? Much the same as there are certain colors that animals can't see. So it is believed that certain animals can't see certain colors. And so to the question that you asked, Carlos, why are all buildings insane asylums? It makes for a great scare. Folks like the sad thing is people who are mentally incapacitated and if they die a tragic death, that always seems to be the case. And there are true stories in America of buildings and places that have burned down or suddenly just gone crazy because of whatever circumstances, and they always had inhabitants that were incapacitated with mental issues. It makes for a great urban legend. Because you can't think of a small town having a crazy asylum. They usually situate themselves on the outskirts of major towns. And so I don't know why abandoned buildings become that. I think the fact that anything is abandoned in life, especially buildings where humans create, it's very hollow. And if they're big spaces, they can become very creepy. And it's amazing how life makes a difference. Human life makes a difference in a place. Case in point, cemeteries. We only go when we're visiting someone. Notice that there are no lights in cemeteries at night. What's the point purpose in having a cemetery lit at night? All the inhabitants are sleeping. <laughs> and, also <laughs> grave, and also grave robbers and grave diggers and folks who do their deeds, 
there it's hard to to get away with that and to rob a grave when there is no light. Are those people being very sticky down there? Was a weren't sophisticated. Some people realized and hugged themselves out of the grave and walked back home. People thought, hey, oh my gosh, zombies. Actually, they weren't there. They had narcotic or some issue. The point is that all these are just more modernized. 200, 200 years ago, they have become more common. that are abandoned when there's no human life. Connection is good. Yes, your voice is chopping up. Hey, uh, you sound like you're underwater.